0: As you may have noticed, we've made January our bring-a-friend month. And so it's fitting, I think, that today, as we welcome newcomers and welcome a new year, we should talk about hospitality. In our daily lives, we tend to think of hospitality as the business of restaurants and hotels. So let me start by pointing to best practice in that industry. Now, some of you will recognize the name of Anthony in the show Hotel Impossible on HGTV. Hotel Impossible is a show, a reality show in which Anthony, a man vastly experienced about hotel management and very outspoken, he's from New York, goes around on invitation to hotels that are failing to show them how they can make money, how they can improve. And most often, he starts off by Coming up in the outside, noticing the place is not well kept. Going into the reception area, finding it's not well kept, it's not even tended at all, or maybe it doubles as a gift store and whatnot. He's given a key to a room, he goes in, he turns the room upside down and he finds dirt and he finds stains and he finds bugs. Not hospitable, he says. And he reminds the whole staff in the three or four days he's there, not to mention the owners, that their business is hospitality. And the first business of hospitality is making the guest comfortable. He urges them to try to put themselves in the guests' shoes and f- experience what the guests experiences. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. They tell you at the end, after a couple of months, What actually changed at that hotel? And too often, nothing. But everything about the business is supposed to make the guest feel welcome. That is the business and why it's called hospitality. So my message this morning, though, is that hospitality is even more important in churches than in hotels. But it's even harder because not only is it a matter of keeping the place clean, not only is it about a checklist so that the staff can make sure that every little thing is just right. It's about us, it's about how we enter into relationship with people because we're inviting people into community with us. So achieving hospitality expects us, requires us to deal with our discomfort, our uneasiness about people who may be a little different than ourselves. Maybe their ideas about religion are a little different. Maybe they speak a little differently. Maybe they look a little differently. Maybe for some other reason. Maybe their race is different. Maybe their sexual orientation is different. All these things in a church can make us pretty uncomfortable. Not to mention that as we invite people into participation with us in the activities of the church, we have to make room for them. And they may want to, they may actually have different ideas about doing things than we do. We may feel a little threatened that it's no longer under our full control. Those are real issues and anyone who's been around any church for a while has experienced them. So that's the challenge we want to deal with. Cultivating an attitude of openness and trust is a spiritual practice which is the business of the church. It's a journey We get there as we move from our fears, our hostility, to trust, our hospitality. It's the challenge we all face, not just Christians, but you and me, all of us who seek to live out our lives in a spirit of love. For all of us, a spirit of hospitality, the spirit of love, is the spirit of love. And love is the spirit of this church. It may sound easy but it takes practice every day of our lives. And it's not much easier for me than for you. Now one speaks of an actor who told him of the intensely competitive world of the theater, where actors might portray the most profound human emotions of love on stage, but after the footlights dim, they might display the most trivial and hostile rivalries. It wasn't so long ago that we were reminded of this in the newspapers as concerns the famous Bolshoi Theater in Moscow where, as I recall, some disgruntled actor decided that he had to spray... It wasn't poison, but it was Acid. acid on the face of some producer. Not a pretty picture. Now... We might not be the only tradition that says the business of our church is hospitality and we want to live in a spirit of love, but that's okay. Unique or not, it's who we are, it's our main thing. Not that we always succeed, but we try and we keep on trying. You know what? We skipped a page. We skipped a page. (laughs) not perfect Uh, but I have to say that even among ministers in my own time in ministry I have very often seen situations in which we as ministers fail in our relations with the congregation and sometimes even with each other to live up to the spirit of love to which we commit ourselves no one's immune As Nouwen says, the way we act on the stage of our lives, our own lives, will always look better than what goes on behind the curtains. But, and this is our challenge, as long as we are willing to face the contrast and struggle to minimize it, he says, the tension can keep us humble by allowing us to offer our service to others without being whole ourselves. Which is to say, none of us will ever reach perfection. But the rewards of even partial success, partial breakthrough from our fears, are worth the lifelong struggle to trust. And that, friends, is where the church comes in, especially churches like this one. For here, in contrast to many religious traditions, we do not define ourselves by agreement on what we believe and what we don't believe. Rather, we define ourselves by the way we aspire to live, Love, our covenant begins, is the spirit of this church. The core of our purpose, Sundays and all week long, is practicing the art of living from the spirit of love. Now, if you're chatting in a hotel elevator, and let's say a tall hotel, the subject of your religion comes up, how would you answer the question as to what your religion is? What is it all about? What do Unitarians believe? Well, you could talk about Unitarians rejecting the Trinity of God, but that's pretty ancient history. You could talk about other things we don't believe, but who among us would agree on what these are? You could, on the positive side, talk about welcoming people regardless of creeds and beliefs, and that would come closer. But surely... The closest of all would be to say that for us, living our lives in a spirit of love is more important than any issues of belief. We might not be the only tradition that would say this, but that's okay. Unique or not, it's who we are. It's our main thing. Not that we always succeed, but we try and we keep on trying. There's always room to be more compassionate, more loving, and that's what we're all about. At its core, then, ours is a positive message, not a negative one. It's not about what we don't believe, but about living our lives in a spirit of love. That's why here at UUCL we're working on a formal statement of how we want to be with each other. Not just our broad covenant of love, which we read together a few moments ago, but a more specific covenant, a covenant of loving relations, we're calling it. Not a set of rules, but a set of aspirations so that When we hit a bump, as we're wont to do, churches always do, we can pause and say, is that really how we want to be with each other? And reflect on that and start again. Are we living from our best? And of course, it's about standing up for love in the world around us. Standing up for justice is simply living from compassion in our public lives. A threshold test on this journey is how we are with a stranger who walks through that door out there. Now, you might think that doesn't mean me. We have greeters, after all. Every Sunday morning we have greeters, and that's very nice. I'm really glad we do. But, you know, that's not going to fool any stranger who walks in. If the stranger gets the impression that what the greeter says or what you and I say is a script not something that comes from the heart, then no script is gonna make much difference. And it is something I have to add that we cannot delegate. You can't delegate speaking from the heart. It's our hearts. And you know, it's really an irony. The official greeters that we have are not really our first line of greeting. There are backups the first line of greeting is you and me. It's you and me. That's why I encourage us not to do church business during the coffee hour. I know it's hard to find time. I know it's very hard to find time. But our real business during the coffee hour is getting to know each other, especially greeting and getting to know anyone who's new. And that takes practice every Sunday. And, of course, it's part of our business during the week, too. We encourage newcomers to take part in our social activities and our committees. Even when there are no newcomers present, the work of hospitality, I should really say, the joy of hospitality, goes with us wherever we are as we take time to ask each other how life is going and listen to what each other says. Explore each other's passions in life. Explore what gifts we bring to this congregation, to each other. That's really the high point of our encounters, even in committee meetings, far beyond our agendas. Hospitality, now it tells us, is about creating a welcoming space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. That means the stranger isn't expected to become just like us. Talk just like us, look just like us, think just like us. That's a huge and ongoing challenge, especially when it comes to worship, as we Unitarian Universalists have taken on the challenge of drawing from many religious traditions. It's the challenge of coming to terms with each other's different religious language and symbolism. I would call it poetry different kinds of religious poetry. Learning to appreciate it and understanding it even when it isn't ours. That can feel like a threat. It can push the buttons of wounds which we haven't yet yet healed from our religious past. Getting beyond our reactivity and actually learning to appreciate each other's religious outlook can be hugely rewarding if we can do it. And it's the key to defusing the theological wars which so often divide our UU congregations. Not this one, of course. Worship is always a place where, you might say, the rubber of our commitment to diversity meets the road of reality. In Nouwen's words, the paradox of hospitality is that it wants to create emptiness. Not a fearful emptiness, but a friendly Emptiness where strangers can enter and discover themselves as created free, free to sing their own songs, speak their own languages, dance their own dances, free also to leave and follow their own vocations. Hospitality is not a subtle invitation to adopt the lifestyle of the host, but the gift of a chance for the guest to find his or her own space. And lifestyle. Now, you might find this puzzling advice coming from a Roman Catholic priest. He's certainly not the voice of the Vatican. He's focused more on personal interaction than on worship. But we as Unitarian Universalists committed to theological as well as cultural diversity are called on to go further. As we do so, I'm happy to take Nouwen's imagery as a guide and extend it. He ends his chapter with a story that may be familiar to some of you. It's an old one. It's the story of the Japanese Zen master, Yan In, who received a visiting professor, no doubt an American professor, who came to inquire about Zen. He poured tea for his visitor, and he kept on pouring, and he kept on pouring until the visitor said, stop, it's overflowing, like this cup. You and said, not and said, "You are full of your opinions and speculations. How can I show you Zen unless you first empty your cup?" Just so in creating a hospitable space for the stranger, we and the stranger alike must expect to empty our cups of our preoccupations with ourselves and our prejudgments and our need for control over the space where we're meeting in order that we may be open to understand each other. Now, we do not know just how John Murray and Thomas Potter greeted each other. They're on the New Jersey shore where Murray's ship had run aground, not far from Potter's empty chapel. Those who have reconstructed Murray's life tell us that the substance of what Potter said may have amounted to this, something like what Phyllis told us in the story. Welcome! my friend, welcome. I have longed to see you. I have been expecting you for such a long time. Now, Potter was ready to trust this stranger, even to invite him to preach in his little chapel. Surely that's the ultimate giving up of control. And Murray was willing to trust Potter, a little hesitantly, perhaps. He felt he needed a sign from God. But if the winds on Saturday left his ship still becalmed, Still beached, he would preach for Potter. If not, then God must be calling him elsewhere. And the rest was history. The wind did not pick up, and his ship remained ship could not get underway, and Murray felt a call from God to preach in Potter's little chapel, and return to the life of ministry, which he had given up in despair in England. The result was the birth of universalism in America. Both men were willing to trust. Both found a new beginning in life. Together they left us a tradition which has become part of who we are as Unitarian Universalists. Now more than two centuries later, a religious tradition whose message boils down to a few simple words, as Phyllis reminded me this week. One God, everyone saved. One God, everyone saved neat if we could think of such a short slogan for a place like this, but that could be part of it. So our message today in these times must echo Potter's greeting. Welcome, friend. We've been waiting for you. It must assure the stranger who comes through these doors, we welcome you just as you are. Come and worship with us and take a place at our table Come and grow with us as we embrace the diversity that together we represent, the stories and cultures we share. We welcome you as we nurture the spirituality that we share, and we welcome you as we promote justice for all of God's children everywhere, because that is who we are. That is who we are. Amen.